This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Live commentary. Good game. Switch coming back now. Oh, he's played a loose pass. And Sakaja will get there. Oh, Blackburn's come right out of the area and flattered Sakaja. And it's gone free. And the keeper's way out of the area. And it's a goal for Ferris. What a great finish. Live interviews. To an Arden football watcher, it was clear in my mind that we had like a bunch of new guys and we'd lost a, a, a you know, big name, big players for us, Scannell, Klein, Ambrose. It, we, we were never going to just come out the block swinging, were we? You know what I mean? Expert analysis. A surprise draw at the end there, Mark. A surprise to no one more than me. We didn't realise we'd scored a second goal. Well, most of the time anyway. Homesdale Radio. Whether you're listening live or to the podcast, call us now to air your opinion. 0203 Palace under-18s began 2013 with a 4-2 win in a friendly match at Walford's training ground last Tuesday. Garcelle opened the scoring, bursting through on goal and finishing at the second attempt after an incisive run and pass from Jake Gray. Devon Palmer and Connor Diamond were the other scorers with Diamond bagging himself a brace. Palace have announced the loan signing of Norwich City midfielder Jacob Butterfield on a one-month loan deal. The 22-year-old burst onto the scene at Barnsley where he made over 100 appearances in five seasons before signing for the Canaries last summer. The away match with Huddersfield, originally scheduled for next weekend, has been rescheduled for Wednesday the 30th of January with a 7.45 kickoff due to the fact that the Terriers are involved in the FA Cup fourth round. Full details are available on the official Palace site. News in brief. Live commentary. Good game. Switch coming back now. Oh, he's played a loose pass and Sakaja will get there. Oh, Blackburn's come right out of the area and flattered. Sakaja, and it's gone free and the keeper's way out of the area and it's a goal for Ferris. What a great finish. Live interviews. To an Arden football watcher, it was clear in my mind that we had like a bunch of new guys and we'd lost a, a, a you know, Big name, big players for us, Scannell, Klein, Ambrose. It, we, we were never going to just come out the block swinging, were we? You know what I mean? Expert analysis. A surprise draw at the end there, Mark. A surprise to no one more than me. We 
scored a second goal. Well, most of the time anyway. Homesdale Radio. Whether you're listening live or to the podcast, call us now to air your opinion. 0203 4755 That's 0203 4755 Hello and welcome to Homesdale Radio. Um, I know you like our introduction a lot, so I did play it twice and then played, in new- played news in brief which you'll hear later on again. Apologies for that, but um, we've had some interesting problems. Anyway, my name is Chris Hambling, and I'm your host today for what is our second birthday show, and it started so well. We have got a special guest joining us shortly. It'll be uh, Palace co-chairman Steve Browett. Uh, but first, let's meet, let's meet the rest of the whole radio team. With me today are Jell Holyoke. Hi, Jell. Hiya. You all right? Yeah, I'm good. Self? Mm, yeah, you know stressed out mate um things haven't been going well have they but there we go uh you are joined as you well know by your fellow um veteran nick gillard hello nick hello we had a bad time in vietnam didn't we uh Joe? <laughs> <laughs> anyway but also joining them and adding a bit of a youthful complexion onto things is ben nagel hi ben hello are you obviously you were on our very first show two years ago and yeah, things just... changed since then um, yeah, I don't know whether it's for the for the better or the worse, to be honest. But well, <laughs> no, I'm joking. So it's, we're, it's got we're a lot easily, better. We're easily as professional now, aren't we? Yeah, I and know. can I just say as well, we've got 1,985 followers on Twitter. So wouldn't it be nice to make a little push on our second anniversary up to 2,000? That'd be, be fitting. It would be splendid. Um, Follow us for a while there. You thought you were going to have to host this show, but um, I managed to get myself. Uh, yeah, I had a, a nervous ten minutes trying to plan a show before you. <laughs> announced to me that in fact I wouldn't be hosting so I've just deleted everything that I wrote and, and you're carrying on with it exactly well we've, it's only cost us around four minutes but um, <laughs> uh, we'll be ringing a whole st- ten minutes to plan yeah exactly that's twice as long as I usually take anyway <laughs> look we've got plenty lined up but you've got a chance to influence what we do discuss today um, Ben will be organising all of your communication when it comes in you can tweet us on at HOL radio or you can email radio at homesdale.net you can even give us a call. I really wouldn't today, but you can <laughs> on uh, 0203 There's a small chance I might see that you phoned because um, I am using two computers effectively. Um, there is also the homestyle.net chat room. Um, you can join some other listeners in conversation during the show. Wholeradio.net forward slash chat for that one. Uh, if you're listening on a computer and you think I'd quite like to listen on my mobile, something along those lines, go to holradio.net forward slash mobile to do so. <clears throat> Oh, uh, just before I tell you what we've got coming up in a bit more detail, we've also got a game versus five-year plan, a little five-a-side charity game. I think it's five-a-side. Might end up more than that due to the fitness reasons. But, um, yeah, so we've we, we've got that coming up, and that's I think that is taking place on... Let's see how I'm stalling there for a second. Um, it's Thursday the 7th of February, and it's seven-a-side. And to donate, you can go to, uh, to our... It's the Jeff Thomas Foundation we're raising money for. Uh, it's... Uh, www.holradio.net forward slash charity um, we've had plenty of donations already really appreciate those thank you so much to those of you who have, who have supported us and a, and a fine cause in the Jeff Thomas Foundation but if you can dig deep and get involved we would much appreciate it um, coming up uh, we'll have a quick chat about the latest transfer rumours and look at what we've done already with the two new signings of uh, as Alex Nimley and of course Jacob Butterfield uh, we'll be joined on the phone by Palace co-chairman Stephen Barrett, where we'll chat about uh, the man himself and, of course, the club in general. Uh, we'll look back at Tuesday's 4-1 defeat up at a freezing cold Stoke. 
Uh, we'll bring you our review of the stalemate against Bolton yesterday uh, in a match of the ground staff where Miracle was to actually get on. I was amazed it got played. Um, and obviously we'll round up as much of your communication at the end as we possibly can. Uh, expecting about an hour and a quarter for the show, although it is always much, much longer than we expect. So anyway, first up, we want to talk about those transfers. Um, the ones we have signed, uh, Alex Nimley. Well, obviously Alex played... Uh, yesterday, and we'll be talking about his his performance until he got substituted. We'll talk about that in a uh, little bit later on today. And Jacob Butterfield is um, also also played in that match, so we'll have some opinions on those. But in general, um, I'll start with you, Ben. Are those areas that you expected us to strengthen in? Yeah, very much so. I think they're, they're both good players. We've seen that before. Obviously, uh, Nimley we saw play against Palace under twenty ones when we were commentating at Sellers Park, and he he looked decent. Um, he didn't score then, and. I think his goal scoring record isn't actually that good overall, but you know he's a good young player, and and we needed somebody other than Murray really to to get a few goals. So hopefully he's the one to do that. And then Butterfield, obviously played yesterday. Um, I think played very well. Obviously tried a few Hollywood balls right at the start that that yeah. weren't great, but overall I think he made a very assured performance against a team that that he has played for and, and obviously knew a bit about. Mm. But yeah, obviously I think a lot more to come from from both of those, and they're good signings. Uh, Nick, you wanted to jump in there? Yeah, sorry, Ben, when, when you saw Nimley play for Man City Reserves, um, what position was he playing in? I think Chris, he was up top, wasn't he? Uh, in, well, I thought he was just in behind. I thought he was kind of he'd taken the Moritz role, if you'd like. But okay, he, was. He, he moved around a lot. Interesting. Um, he was quite wild, wasn't he, really, yesterday? But we'll talk hmm. about that later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, you can, you can see what's, what's good about him. He's got a very good first touch. You can... You know, we wanted to add to our attacking options, but um, obviously a young player without much experience, uh, we've got plenty of those at our club as well. So it's it's an interesting one. We'll see how that pans out. Um, but obviously, Butterfield, like you said, Ben, you know, there's a settling in period for any player. You can't make any real realistic judgments. We'll talk about their, you know, performances within a game, but in terms of their usefulness over the course of the season, it's very very hard to tell right now. Um, okay, well look, we'll look at some of the things that we've been linked with. I mean, there's obviously there's there's only one topic of conversation about players that are going out of Palace, and that's Wilfred Zaha. And obviously, being reported today that talks apparently broke down. Blah 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 blah. I mean, as it as it stands, you know, no one's made a big enough offer, if, if any offer, to, to tempt us into selling Wilf. So he's very much our player, and it looks like being the case for the rest of the season unless things change. But uh, see, the only other rumours out, I think we had one was Yannick Bellassi being linked to Wigan, which was pretty ridiculous considering how little time we've had Yannick and the other one was Glenn Murray to Villa so I mean don't know why he'd want to do that but you know, with, the, know. Um, with the Yannick Chris wasn't there um, didn't I hear somebody say that um, he wouldn't be able to go this season because he's played for two clubs already yeah well exactly I, I, again I'm never ever sure of the rule because we had that I think we had that issue with James Vaughan or something like that but um, the other year but I'm not, never really sure of the rule but I, I mean, how whatever it is, it's still whether he kept where he could or he couldn't go. It's still ridiculous, you know. I mean, we we bought the guy a matter of months ago. He's been fantastic for us, an absolute bargain for the reported sort of fee. But I mean, uh, Nick, where we just did so, so good. what the hell? Anyway, um, let's let's uh, hope. That noise was less painful for the listeners than it was. Nick's just taken off. Yeah, I mean, honestly, Nick, you don't need to. You don't need to come by hovercraft, man. Oh, <laughs> zero idea. 
I mean, the, the whole radio studio is floating on a lake, but, um, <laughs> but he's supposed to, supposed to have been here a while ago. But <laughs> Nick's off on his hovercraft, and um, we'll get some more opinions from him later on, hopefully, when he's sorted that out. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, very, very quickly, because I need to ring Steve. Um, Rumours in, David Vaughan, a uh, fantastic midfield player, just broken back into the Sunderland team, so I can't see it happening now. It's a real shame. Uh, but he's... he's massively influenced things with them. Uh Louis Saha was linked during the um during the week, but that I think that came from a fake Twitter account and um frankly ridiculous. Uh DJ Campbell we talked about for a couple of weeks now. Um strong rumours that uh, Hull are very much in well not rumours, Steve Bruce confirmed it and uh, when you looked at what Mick McCarthy was saying about someone offering him a three year deal, um you know, I'd be surprised if that was us and not Hull, but you never know. You know, it's certainly on the cards we've certainly looked at him. Um, yes, Nick, that is better. I can't hear a horrible whirring sound when when you're speaking. Um, Stephen Dobby, we've been linked with him, who's play, currently playing for our um, channels down on the south coast there, Brighton and Hove Albion. Uh, can't get into the team. Wasn't in their squad at all. Worked under Holloway. Rhymes with chums. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> but um, that'll be an interesting one. We, a lot of people were kind of happy to be linked with him um, about a season ago now, I think it was. But uh, we'll, we'll see how that pans out. Uh, the forever-linked player, George Boyd, Palace fan and Peterborough star. Uh, we did make an inquiry and we've been massively put off by the fee and wages, according to the media. I think, in fact, even Ian Holloway said that. One that looks likely to happen is a loan swap uh, with Gillingham player Jack Payne. We're going to send them David Wright and get hit get him in return. Um, had a quick look around, not a huge amount of information on him, but it seems quite highly rated by Gillingham. Um, and, you know, the, the discussion is he will be one for the future. And there was one small link to uh, right back at Man City, youth player called Reese Wabara. So we're getting linked with plenty. Lot, obviously put the feelers out, like Holo- uh, Ian Holloway said. Um, but obviously nothing, nothing confirmed other than the signings of Nibley and Butterfield. But, um... Well, Some uh, interesting comments on the window from Holloway in the week, wasn't there? If you see that press conference on YouTube, mm. where he went a bit um, mental, depressed. <laughs> which you want always do you want a couple of tweets, Chris? Yeah, let's have a couple. Let's have a couple of tweets, yeah. and then we'll give Steve a call. You can, okay. Uh, so we got a tweet in from Steve Ives. He says he thought Butterfield looked good, but the corners were a bit iffy. But it was a good performance, and I think Holloway actually mentioned that after he said that um, he had to change it around because Dougie knew about our set pieces, so he had to change. Obviously, it would have been Balassi normally, and he changed that for Butterfield. So I think. Obviously, that'll yeah. be going back to he won't probably won't be on corners next week. Well, not next week. No, yeah, I think it's a very good point when we talk about. Oh, we'll go into a bit more detail there, but yeah, there definitely was um, both in shape and, and the way Nimley and Butterfield yeah. played. You, you can see what why Holloway did it. You know, he, mm. he wanted to make sure that Dougie didn't know everything about yeah, exactly. our team, and you can um, see. Like, yeah, come if you. Well, I was just going to carry on with a couple more tweets, but if you have got a little bit more of a point about that, you carry on. Uh, no, no, I was just no. Okay. Uh, go ahead. I don't want right. to delay. I want us to. Okay, Michael Walsh has tweeted in and said it's still early, but he didn't think Nimley offered much, and Butterfield's delivery was poor. Hopefully, just a one-off though. Azza says Butterfield played well, but Ollie should have had the starting lineup as the team when we finished. As the team when we finished with and brought them on. I don't know what that means. No, Tony it's... Johnson says Nimley, not sure, but not impressed yesterday. Butterfield was good, good passing, but very poor corners. Early days for both football promos is has made a random point about that and said Marrow was awesome when he come when he came on, which I completely agree with. Mm. Um and Frank Talking says, Can I sue you for bursting my eardrums with white noise? <laughs> you can certainly sue Nicholas Gillard. Um he deserves it as well. Um no you can sue us, you can have 
a percentage of our turnover, which will involve you giving us money. So, um, <laughs> hopefully that'll go well. Anyway, we're going to give Steve Brower a call. Um, those, you know, just that was just a little chat on transfers. Obviously, there's a ver- various things we've been linked with, but um, you know, deals tend to happen pretty quickly these days. Hello, hello, Steve. Chris Hamling on Hull Radio. Hi, hi. How are you? Not too bad. Yourself? Good. Yes, fine. Thanks. Yeah. Fantastic. Thanks for joining us. Um, That's all right. With me, I've got Gel, Nick, and Ben, and they'll all be chiming in at various times. All right. Good. Hello, uh, boys. Hello. How are you doing? Hi. Hi. <laughs> right. Now everyone's met each other. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just want to sort of obviously run you through a few things that we're, we're going to talk about. Nothing. Uh, you know, nothing sensitive, especially given the sort of uh, the fact we're in that January window. But um, yes, want to want to find a bit more out about yourself, really, because obviously we've got plenty of overseas listeners and things like that, and they might not know too much about you. And um, I'm going to sort of start there. I was I was reading online a little interview you did, and um, talk about when you started in the wine trade, you started driving a van and and got involved in the buyout of your companies. So, I mean, what what had you done sort of prior to that, and then what made you get involved in the wine industry? Uh, well, I um. I mean, I come from from Crystal Palace from South London, and um, I I I did a degree in French, and I went to um, I went to France for a year. Mm. Um, and when I came back, I was uh, I was literally I was walking down a street, and there was a wine shop with a sign in the window saying "Van Driver Wanted," and I went in and uh, got the job, and that's how I started in the wine business, <laughs> and uh, and that was uh, that was in 1980. That's pretty long time ago. Yeah, yeah, that's my yeah. Um, yeah. Um, uh, and uh, I'd, I've been in the wine trade ever, ever since. I, start, I drove a van for, for three years, two or three years. Then I got to stacking a few shelves, and then I got to washing up some glasses. And then I slowly sort of climbed the ladder, and uh, we built up our company, which is called Far Vintners. Yeah. And uh, I've had various partners uh, along the way. And... Um, Bought them out, and now I well, I've owned five vintners myself for a few years, and the wine trade's been good. So I got, you know, I got quite lucky. I had had some good breaks, and mm. five vintners is now the probably the world's leading wholesale fine wine dealer, and that is what enabled me to uh, put my money in and, and become one of the four people who bought Palace. Mm. Um, I, you know, I, I, yeah, I could look, quick look around your website. There's some absolutely fantastic wines in there that are well out. of side of my budget I, I, you've, yeah. sort of answered, you've sort of answered this in, in, a, in a way but I was going to ask you sort of was it always your plan to you know to go and own a company or anything like that or did it just present itself as an opportunity but I mean no I've never had any plans I mean pe- people say to, to me and, and probably to Martin and Jeremy and Steve it must have been a you know boyhood dream to own Palace and, I, and I've I've never I said no it was I never never imagined I'd do that and the same thing with my work I, I just got the job as the van driver and things happened. Um, you know, I ended up being quite successful um, in business, but but it's not. It, it wasn't a driving a, a ambition. I I I did it because it was interesting, really. Um, and uh, and and it was, as I say, it was never a, never a massive ambition to own Palace. If someone else had come in, I think I can speak for all four of us. We'd have been very happy if if they bought the club. The only reason that we did it was because no, no one else was going to do it. Mm. I mean, on that topic, I think Joe's got a, a follow-up there. Joe? Hello, Steve. Yes, Joe. Um, at what point did you know you had to get involved in the rescue of, of the club? Well, um, I suppose it was when, 
you know, it really was looking fairly bleak. And uh, and uh, and um, there was talk of this uh, consortium of people, and uh, and uh, I knew someone who knew someone who knew Steve Parish, and and I, and I gave him a ring, and um, and I found out the consortium was just two people. It was Steve and Martin, and, and that, that's what it was. And you know, I, thought, I think we all had an idea that there was a consortium of wealthy businessmen waiting to take over, sort of, sort of, sort of thing. But um, but it wasn't. It was just the two of them. So um, so we, I, I kind of thought, you know, that they really need some help on this. And I think Jeremy Hoskin phoned up uh, Phil Alexander at about the same time. Uh, but this was all pretty late. Um, you know, it, it all happened really, really quickly, actually, in, in the end. How, how late in the day, though? Um, a week before, a month before, or yeah, I think it was a few weeks before the end of the season, before the you know before the Sheffield Wednesday game. It wasn't, uh, it, it wasn't just after the club went into admin or anything. You know, I, I, as I say, I was just hoping someone else would buy the club. So um, it, it only really happened when it was absolutely clear that there was no one else serious in the frame at all. So I mean, say, it wasn't long to go until the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, it did sort of, I mean, well, I don't think anyone at the time really appreciated just how desperate sort of things were until that's the Lloyds incident, really. But, I mean, obviously, that's one that sticks out in your mind. But Yeah, I mean, that's what really brought things home, I think. And that that was fantastic, the whole Lloyds yeah. thing and the fans getting involved, because it, it put pressure on the on the administrators. Because you remember that, that, that we, we were buying the club out of administration, but we were also buying the ground out of administration. Uh, and it looked like just an impossible thing to sort out. But but when, you know, it got public and and it got on the news and and the and it, and it looked like the, the the banks and the administrators might be a bit embarrassed by things. That that really helped speeded things up. Okay, that's great. Um, well, obviously you've, you've been working together a fair while now as as CPFC twenty ten, and, and you've I think this yeah. season you changed your role, didn't you? To, obviously to co chairman, I think uh, was more. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's only, it's only a, a title, you know. All, all four of us own, own the club equally, twenty five percent each. Um, you know, uh, Steve and I. I mean, Steve does most of the work. Um, he's he's an amazing man, as you know, because you met him. He's a Mm. He's a real whirlwind. He's always, you know, he's always on two phones at any one time, and uh, you know, he's, he's constantly planning things. He's uh, he's very inspirational. So he he does most of it. I, I help him out on 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 certain parts of it, um, and Martin and Jeremy probably a bit more in in the background, but they're always there if we need them. And obviously, they're at the games, and uh, you know, it's a good team, the four of us. Has, I mean, has the sort of the football world sort of influenced the way you operate? Do you know what I mean? Like, you, obviously, you should probably set yourselves yourselves up to to operate a certain way, and you know how you vote decisions through and all that sort of stuff. Has, has the way football works changed that in any way? Um, well, I mean, it can be difficult the way football works, but 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 we've always uh, I can't really think of an incident an incident where we've had a vote or you know. One of us has thought we should do this, and three haven't, or two haven't, two haven't. You know, it's all it's all worked fairly straightforwardly. You know, we 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 know the mess that Palace has got in in the past by doing stupid things, and we know that um, you, you know that the most important thing is that doesn't happen again. So so we're not going to do anything stupid, and we're not going to go crazy like uh, like the owners of some football clubs have in their in their sort of uh, 
blink of ambition to be in the Premier League and, 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 and stick it all on red, I think, was a, a quote yeah. that Steve said once. You know, we, we, the, the most important thing for us is the long-term survival of Palace, yeah. not, not glory, not, not to be in the Champions League, not, not anything else, just the long-term survival of Palace. And the fact that we and our kids and uh, maybe one day our grandkids can all, can all go along and, and watch Palace. So we've um, we've towed a fairly sensible line, I think. Although we we, we did have uh, ambitions when we started to to run the club on a, on a break-even basis, which which is pretty much impossible, actually. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. I mean, <laughs> see, Steve talked considerably about the fact that it needs kind of needs to be the Premier League to have a chance of doing that, but then. See costs go up, but I want to give yeah, Ben a chance to ask a, a quick question. Actually, go on, Ben. Cool. Yeah, we've obviously got a few questions in from listeners, so I wanted to just read one of those out now from Patrick O'Connor, and he says, "What do you see for Palace in the next year or so if we're able to get promoted this season?" Well, if we, if we were able to get promoted, uh, it, it changes things just so enormously. It, mm, it's yeah. the, the the gulf between the the Premier League and the Championship is is, is unbelievable, I and mean, it's, it's ridiculous yeah. that, that the Premier League. Is is so dominant, you know. If if you come bottom in the Premier League, you get sixty million pounds of TV money, mm. and I think for every position above bottom, it's another seven hundred and fifty thousand. Incredible. Uh, I think per live game, it's something like a million quid extra or something like that. Mm. Anyway, in the in the Championship, the, the 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 TV money or the solidarity money, as it's called, is four million per club. And that's it. And it doesn't matter if you come first or last. That that is it. Um, the TV money for a live game is eighty grand, which uh, you know, considering the uh, the number of spectators could be down by by four or five thousand. You know, it's it's not even a, a, a profit because obviously your your income from the lack of spectators has gone down. Yeah. So you know, the 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 income of this club at the moment in the championship is about. 15, between 13 and 15 million pounds. If we get in the Premier League, our income in, in, in one season will be 80 million pounds. So, so, so being in the Premier League totally changes things. And, and then, even if you get relegated like uh, Blackpool did after one season, you've got four years of parachute payments, which is another, I think that's another 50, 60 million. So being promoted would totally change Crystal Palace Football Club. You know, we could... Uh, we could really pr- progress. I mean, we're, we're never going to progress massively as a club if we don't get promoted to the Premier League. Mm. But as I say, you know that there are people who, who gamble on trying to get there, and uh, and they they stack up the most enormous debts. And in the case of Simon Jordan, that those debts um, eventually forced the club into administration. So uh, you know, it's such a big prize, and it would be so fantastic to get there. But it's not, you know, it's not the be all and end all. No, I was going to. I mean, Nick. Nick's got a, a question to ask just after this, um, but I wanted to kind of follow up on what you're saying. Cause as as a um, as a co-owner, the the Premier League and the money that goes with it, and the and the chance to grow the club, you know, it's obviously massively appealing. But I know from speaking to a lot of fans that quite a lot of them say that you know they're not really interested in the Premiership and what that entails, and no, you know, the, no, the money no. cost them as an individual. So I mean. As, as it obviously it would have changed your way of thinking to a point to to now be a, a co-owner, but can you kind of understand where where fans are coming from on that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even I mean, you know, I think you know we we might be co-owners, but above all, we're still fans. And then you look at some aspects of the Premier League, like you know, sixty-two 
quid to go to Arsenal as an away fan. <laughs> and you think, I don't want to be in that world. That's just immoral. It's wrong. Mm. Um, I, I don't want Palace supporters to be priced out of going to see Palace. Uh, you know, that's, that's not what we bought Palace for. It's um, interesting. Sorry, Steve, you say that. It's, it seems the, the more money, this Nick here, by the way, hello, it's the more money that Sky seems to be throwing at football, the more it seems to cost the punters. When you, you know, you'd think it actually. Well, someone's got to pay for it ultimately, haven't they? Um, you know, it, it is a, a, a big problem, and, and you know, as a, as a fan myself, I would be, in a way, happier to see Palace doing well in the Championship, playing entertaining football, nearly getting to the Premier League, uh, doing well, winning a few games, um, and, and enjoying it, um, and being able to, to go to away games and only having to pay a mere 25 quid to get in. Um, but um, but, but we, we all understand that if we, if we stay in the Championship, the club's going to lose between three and five million quid a year because the income uh, is, is not enough. So if we do stay in the Championship, we're going to have to sell uh, three to five million pounds worth of players per year in order for the club to break even. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So that's your choice, really. You know, you, you, you either stay in the Championship and, and, and you rely on, on the academy to bring players through and, and, and you sell one a year or two a year or, or one every two years if they're really good ones. Um, finance it that way, but, you know, which is, you know, the, the kind of Ron Nodes way of, of, of bringing through young players or buying young players and, and selling them on. And you finance the club by player sales. Mm. Or, as we say, you get in the Premier League and uh, you get all that TV money, but then you've got all the, you know, the, the, all the hassle that comes with being in the Premier League. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so back to Palace, Steve. Um, when did you first start going? You know, what, what, what kind of got you into supporting Palace? Was it family? Um, Local team, yeah, yeah. No, I lived in SE19 in 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 Crystal Palace itself, just just off Crystal Palace Parade, and um, like a lot of people, probably I think you start supporting Palace. You you start supporting them in the good times. So I just happened to be ten years old in 1969, uh, which is when we got promoted to the first division for the first time ever. So, so 69-70, as a 10-year-old, uh, was my first season as a Palace fan, and it was also Palace's first season um, in the first division. You know, you think, you think that there, there are some Palace fans who, who watched Palace from, you know, 1905 when we started, who, who, who spent their entire lives as Palace fans and, and never saw, saw Palace in, in, in the top league. So, so I was very fortunate that uh, people of my generation were very fortunate that we... We became a big club just as I became uh, uh, a, a kid who's interested in football. So my teenage years were a real roller coaster time because in the in in the I mean I'm sure you're all too young to remember, but in in the 70s we were uh, we were uh, a first an old first division team for three or four seasons. We were a third division team for a couple of seasons. We were FA Cup semi-finalists we were we were all sorts of things we were the team of the 80s we won the fa youth cup twice so the 70s was an amazing time for me as a teenager to be a palace fan and i think a lot of people who are who are around 50 like me um you know got hooked on palace in that in that period 
Yeah, I got, I got first taken in 75, 76. So, you know, we're always doing better right. now than, uh, than yeah. when I first started watching. Well, 75, 76, we, we were in the third division, I think. But that, yeah. but that was the yeah. season when we, that when we had the amazing uh, FA Cup run and, and the incredible game at, at uh, Chelsea. and uh, Stamford Bridge, yeah. My mum was taking me. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I think I think that was the first away game I ever went to on, on my own. That that game, it was it was an amazing game, amazing atmosphere. Seventy-seven, seventy-eight was mine. I used to get a free ticket for selling Palace lottery tickets. Ran the streets and who had it? And oh, right. that's, that's how I used to get my free ticket to go to Palace. Yeah, All right. Well, yeah. All right, Joe, we're not interviewing you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we, we all have our own story of how we got into supporting Palace. Uh, and it was usually, you know, you just imagine there must be some people who, who started going to Palace when we were rubbish or, or when it was miserable or, you know, they went to five games in a row where we didn't win and, and, and they, they, they never came again. So, you know, I suppose most of us who are, Mad Palace fans are lucky that, that we had a break um, and we actually started supporting Palace when, when it was fun to support Palace. So, I, you know, I really hope that the, 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 the nine-year-olds, the ten-year-olds, the, the young kids now who, who, are, who are coming along, being dragged along by their parents or their uncle or their granddad or, or whatever, that, that, that they get hooked on Palace because Palace at the moment, you know, is on the up. You know, if I was a, a little kid coming to Palace at the moment, I'd think it was great because... Well, until yesterday, we, you know, we, we had another nil-nil draw. For, I can't remember. We we haven't lost a game at home since the first day of the season. Yep. Uh, it's been pretty entertaining at Fellas Park this season. Sure has. Yeah. Um, Joe. Yeah. Um, have you been able to juggle running his, his, your business and all that comes with helping to run Palace as well? Well, it's. it's it's quite hard, but um, as I say, I don't, I don't do the, the bulk of the work. We, we were very fortunate when we took the club over that Phil Alexander um, is our chief executive, and he's, he's actually the longest-serving chief executive in, in, in football. Um, you know, he, he's been running Palace under four sets of owners, uh, and he, uh, you know, he, he, he does all, all the background work, and he's... Uh, you know he's a incredibly hard-working guy, and um, he knows everybody in football. So that that's been really important. And then, of course, the, you know, there's the fact that, that Steve Parrish is capable of doing all these things at the same time. Um, and I do my little bit. Um, I guess I'm lucky that Five Inters has been established so long that I don't have to be uh, doing that 100% of my time. Mm. But uh, it, it is possible to, to to juggle things, you know, to 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 do Five Inters work and Palace work and answer questions on the BBS and yeah, all that kind of thing. In fact, answering questions on the BBS is probably takes more of my time than anything else. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, but it's easier when it's, when it's a labour of love kind of thing, isn't it? You know, you, you don't yeah. feel, yeah, it's something, it's, yeah, it's something you, you'd love doing. It's, you know, we do this for, for no money as well, just every Yeah, every no, week. this is the most uh, time-consuming unpaid job in the world. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Um, I've got yeah. a quick email in from Ben Allen for you. Yeah, um, I'm not. I'm not completely sure. I'm going to read it, but I'm not completely sure you'll answer it because it's uh, it's about something we told him not to ask us about. But he uh, just says, "Hi guys, uh, I know Steve can't go into detail, but how close are we on getting new faces in?" And then he says, "Also, what was the driving force behind the decision to appoint, appoint Ian Holloway? Sorry, who was the driving force?" Okay, so, well, that's two questions. Um, 
I'll answer the first bit by saying that obviously we're not going to reveal anything about transfer, uh, transfers in and transfers out. I think, you know, I think that, that, that there are some people, some clubs who do talk about it and leak things to the press, but we try, hopefully, and, and do things properly. I was saying to someone earlier today, it's a bit like a game of cards, a bit like a game of poker, and you, you need to keep your cards close to your chest and not, not reveal things. You know, if, if, it, if it comes out that, that Ian's really interested in this particular player, then the price goes up, you know, or, or, or other people who know he's a good judge of a the player, their clubs get interested. So, so we're not going to say anything on that. I mean, all, all we would say is, is, as we've said all along, that our goal in this transfer window is, first of all, to, to, to keep all of our first-team players. And I, I don't see any change to that. You know, I fully expect all our top players to still be here at the end of this window, Fantastic. including you-know-who, I might say. Yep. Yep. Uh, absolutely, including you-know-who. And, um, and I also hope that we will have brought in um, three or four new players. Um, Ian's got a little list and, he, and he's working on it. Um, you know, I don't. I don't think if all our if all our um, top players are fit, uh, you know, we we've got a very good team already. But obviously, you know, with suspensions and injuries, there are. You know, you, you, you're rarely going to have a Saturday when everyone is fit. So we do need to strengthen certain positions and have some cover. And we probably need. And I think it's been said before. We we we, we can't expect Glenn to score every goal that this team scores in order to get promoted. So we do need to bring up, to bring somebody in to, to to help Glenn out up front. Um, you know, the ideal player would probably be someone who who could play on the wings or or, or play behind Glenn or alongside Glenn or whatever. Uh, so that's a challenge to find someone in that position or maybe two this people. This is quite handy with the uh, fitter fans. Is um. Yeah, yeah. Might be the one you're looking for. Oh, we'll have a look at him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Give me a couple of weeks. But, yeah. Um, yeah. It'd be good in the wall. <laughs> yeah, and obviously, <laughs> and we've already brought in two players. Butterfield, I think, you know, a lot of people have said that Butterfield is um, certainly when he was at Barnsley, um, he was very good against us. Uh, people said he was one of the best passers, um, one of the best sort of creative midfielders in the in, in the league. And um, with uh, you know, with 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 Jedi, who's been just amazing, and 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 KG, who's been a revelation this season. You know, we, we've got the holding midfielders. Um, so uh, you know, with Garvin out injured, um, you know that, that that was a position that needed to be filled. And I think he, I mean, we've only seen him in one game, but you know, I think he's a, he's a, an exciting addition to the, to the team. So if we can bring in three or four players of his kind of quality. You know, players who are maybe um, not quite good enough for for a top, you know, for starting position in the top Premier League team, but 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 a but a top quality Championship players. But then I think that, you know that hopefully will be the final piece of the jigsaw. Jigsaw, and we can turn these um, the, the, these draws we're having in, into wins. It's it, you need to get somebody with somebody something to prove as well, rather than a journeyman who just looking for the next pay packet. Yeah, you that, do. You do. But, but um, again, I was talking about this earlier today. If you if you look at um, some of the teams who've gone up in the past, I mean, I, I don't know if you guys remember Paul Stewart. Of course, yeah, but, yeah. yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Now he was. I mean, maybe he wasn't a journeyman. I don't know how old he was at the time. In his late twenties, probably. But but he was. Um, 
you know, someone who was who was at Liverpool and not not getting in the team. But he he just provided something that uh, a bit of experience, a, you know, really a really experienced player. He provided something that that just turned a very good team into a great team, and 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 contributed goals. Um, and then we were talking about Reading, who you know, Reading this time last year were probably in the same sort of position that Palace are in now. Were they? Were they about six or something? Yeah, maybe, maybe, well, maybe, maybe a bit lower. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they and they'd got in Jason Roberts, who was sort of on the bench at Blackburn. Who you know, I don't know how much he contributed, but it seems like Jason Roberts just added a bit of steel and strength and experience to that team. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule out us getting what we might perceive as a Premiership journeyman, if you like. But I mean, what we'd like to do ideally is is bring in um, you know fantastic 22-year-olds, 23-year-olds who've got some some experience, but 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 also uh, you know are young and you say, you say I've got something to prove, but. But Ian, Ian will do what he thinks is best for the team, um, and it might be it might be some young ones, it might be some older ones. I've got a couple of questions as well relating, or they're from from Twitter. One, the first one relating actually. Oh, to... I haven't answered the Ian question. That's true. Yeah. Let's go back to that. Let's do get that one done. So, when Dougie said he wanted to go to Bolton, which um, was was a real shock for us, we just could not could not believe that. Mm. Um, we, we we honestly didn't have a clue uh, who we wanted to appoint as the manager because um, we, we had no idea that we were going to need a manager, so, so we hadn't we hadn't thought about it at, at all. Um, but I think after um, I mean not being rude to Dougie, but after after last season's fairly negative start, I think I think probably in the back of our minds we we wanted a manager who was. Uh, who had a reputation for playing exciting football, and I think particularly I think, I think Martin Martin Long mentioned this. You know, the reason we brought Palace primarily was to save Palace and to be entertained. And uh, it's all very well. And and by the way, if if, if we hadn't appointed Dougie when when George had to go, you know, I think we we, we would have been relegated. And Dougie was fantastic at at uh, stopping us losing and fantastic at. Uh, Turning the corner and, and developing us, but but I think what what we decided we, we needed to put on top of the platform that Dougie had built was someone who was going to play exciting football in the Palace way with you know a, a attacking, entertaining football. Someone who'd rather win a game four three than than one nil. Um, so Ian Holloway was a you know if you ask the question, think of a football manager who, who plays really entertaining football. Who gets teams promoted? Um, who would you go for? And you know, I think I think almost anyone would say, "Oh, Ian Holloway's like that." But the first reaction we we had between ourselves was, well, "We're not going to get Ian Holloway, are we?" I mean, you know, he's a he's a Premier League kind of manager. We're not going to get him. Yeah. But um, but fortunately, uh, we did. It, 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 it was amazing. You know, we, we he, he he was so top of the list that we didn't really take it that seriously, actually. Um, but 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 he was interested, and uh, the, the Blackpool chairman um, allowed him to talk to us, which he, you know he didn't have to. But there was something in Ian's contract with Blackpool that, that said if if a club came along and matched um, the the amount I won't say what it is the, the amount of money that, that was in there, 
but I think he could have said no. But anyway, he he, he said yes because um, you know he he likes to sell a player, and I think he likes even likes to sell a manager as we've seen recently. He sold two recently. Um, so he, he said yes, and, and we talked to Ian, and he's so he's just so enthusiastic. You know, he's just I, I want to be I want to be your manager. I want I want to turn Crystal Palace into the Barcelona of South London. He's so <laughs> so enthusiastic. You know. Um, that we, we, we were bowled over by him, so so we we just uh, we were, said, yeah, uh, we, yeah we've got to go for it. We were certainly bowled over when he uh, kindly joined our show the other way before Christmas. Yeah, he's, he's so entertaining, with. isn't he? And he's, yeah, and and uh, you know, not not going on about it, but he's very different from from, from Dougie in in every way. Dougie's a very reserved, cautious man. Um, with, with, with Ian, you ask him a question, he will off he'll go, and and. and <laughs> and he's exactly, you know, as you know, he's met him. But if you sit down with him, he's exactly like you see him on on the telly. That's it. Yeah. Uh, you, you ask him a question, he gives you a straight answer. He probably gives you five answers, and he and, and he, you know, if it's in his brain, it comes out of his mouth. So that's um, Mark Bright. <laughs> yeah, Mark Bright is like that. Yeah. Uh, and you know, he's uh, he's very he's very refreshing, and uh, you know, he 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 really wants. Crystal Palace to be successful playing great football, scoring lots of goals. So that's that ticked all our boxes and continues to do so. Fantastic. Does he actually um, help you being a chairman, Steve? Because obviously you've you've, you've been in the job for what two years. Does he actually does he actually advise you on the on the chairmanship in any sort of way? Do you know what I mean? Does he does he say you know have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, he, I mean, he speaks to Steve probably every day. I'm sure he does speak to Steve every day. He, he, he's he's very open uh, with with us, you know. Uh, he's uh, and obviously he's very experienced. So yeah, he gives us lots of advice. And uh, but I think he he respects too the fact that that, that you know that, that we bought our club and and we're really passionate about our club. I think he found at Blackpool that that the chairman there is. Um, uh, you know, he's done really well for Blackpool, but but he's not a passionate football fan like like we are. So uh, you know, it, 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 it's a, it's a great relationship so far. He he respects us and we respect him and works well. Absolutely, and it does it does seem from you know from the um, you know from the outside looking in, if you like, that you can tell he's a man who's happy to be there, and it's, it is really oh, nice to see that. He is. He is. I hope he's really happy to be at, 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 at Palace. I mean, obviously there were a lot of jobs. Um, on the market at, at the yeah. time, uh, and and I, I have no idea if he applied for them or not. Um, but uh, but the fact that that he chose, I mean, he could have obviously easily stayed at stayed at Blackpool. He's, he's got he had a decent squad there. He had fairly good chance of of going up again. Um, he just he literally bought a house about two weeks before two weeks before he came to Palace. Yeah. He just bought a house in. Uh, Outside Blackpool, so he didn't. He didn't have to come to Palace. He was in no danger of getting sacked at Blackpool, um, but he he wanted to come here. I think he wanted a fresh challenge. He, he a thing that, that that persuaded him a lot was our academy. Because I don't think don't think Blackpool have an academy, and he was you know he'd he'd heard of um, all the you know the, the young players that come through our academy, and he was very excited because he 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 feels that he, he can develop. Players, you know, if you give him the raw product, he can he, he can turn them into, into great players. Uh, so that the the academy was very exciting for him. Um, I mean, obviously, the fact that, that we already had a good first eleven was exciting for him. So he was he was as keen to come to us as we were to to, to have him. 
Okay, brilliant. We've got a couple of questions in just from, from people on Twitter. Right. Uh, one you've kind of touched on a little bit is from Tony Johnston. He says, how much interaction do, do you as, as chairman, as co-chairman, have with Ian Holloway? I know you mentioned a little bit about Steve Parrish having having most of the communication. But yeah, I mean, I mean, Steve's obviously the main man, so he um, he, he has lots of interaction. But Ian's, you know, as, as I said, Ian's great. His um, his wife comes to every game, um, and uh, she, she, you know she's always at his at his side. So um, she's in the boardroom with us, and he he comes up and has a has a chat. He's uh, um, and he explains his his tactics and his formation, his team selection to us and why he does things so it's a very it's a very open relationship I think between the, the board and the uh, and the manager mm, brilliant great. and then one more about the academy you mentioned that, that was one of the, the things that brought Ian to the club yeah. um, football promos on Twitter has asked what's Gary Izzett's role at the club now is he still in charge of the academy or is he working with, with someone else maybe the under 21s now that Jamie Fullerton's gone yeah, no, Gary is an absolute, you know, the, the the expression top bloke was invented for Gary. He's a he's a fantastic <laughs> guy. Um, and obviously he's a real, well, not unsung hero because, I mean, I, I'm always singing his praises, but he's, uh, I think he's been at Palace for about 10 years. I think he, I think Ian Dowie brought him in. I think, I think Dowie had known him at Luton, I think. Anyway, he's been at Palace for about 10 years. You know, he's, he he's nurtured and brought through, you know, the likes of Watson and Saws and Routledge and Victor Moses and um, obviously the, the more recent ones. Um, and he's um, he he's now he's now got a sort of role of being in charge of everything really, from right down to under eights or whenever it is they start, right through to the to the under twenty ones, which is the d- development squad development league. Um, so he he's no longer just coaching the under 18s or just doing the academy. He's he's doing it right the way through. And um, I think Ian saw immediately that that that, that, that Gary was a, a guy who could who could handle that. So so he's not replaced uh, Jamie Fullerton um, uh, with, with uh, another person. He sort of promoted Gary, and and, and Gary will be in charge of the under. 21 team, but but it'll also be in charge of the academy as well. Okay, that's great. Uh, did you have any more, Ben? Uh, obviously, we've got loads of stuff, and I'm going to say now to everyone who's been sending questions in. You know, obviously, we're not no way we're going to get to them all. We're not going yeah, no, to get all of, all of mine. I'm but. sure you've got quite a long list, so I'll, I'll pass back over to some questions that you've got now. Okay, um, I'm going to I'm going to ask the one about the beer festival last because um, ah, uh, my favourite. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'd like to end on that one, but um, there's a, there's a few other bits and pieces I want to talk about. One of them was um, sort of relating back to the, we discussed sort of ticket prices earlier on. You did mention the, the 62 quid as an away fan at Arsenal. And so I know yeah. you do a, you do a lot of work yourself on the on the ticketing side of things at Palace. Yeah, that, that's the, the ticketing is one area where Steve leaves that to me, so he, he can concentrate on other. Other things. So, the, the, if any, if anything's gone wrong with ticketing, it is my fault for sure. Um, I, I feel very, very passionate that 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 that, um, that 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 the ordinary supporter, if you like, you know, the man on the bus, whatever, the woman on the bus, is able to afford to come to football. And, and we all know that that coming to football is expensive. Yeah. So, so my commitment for a start is that we will all always, I hope, have the cheapest seats in the league. Um, as you know, if you come to Palace, it's 20 quid, and I don't, I don't think you can get in on a regular basis to any other Championship club for 20 quid, and uh, that's something that I want to maintain. 
Um, also, our season ticket pricing, I think, is very competitive. Uh, we particularly want to attract young fans, so that's the reason why we uh, we, we did the, the free season tickets for under ten, under ten. Yeah. I also thought it was wrong when we arrived that um, that the, the people aged sixty could get an OAP ticket, but kids. Uh, who I regard as kids anyway, 16-year-olds had to pay an adult price, which I just thought was wrong. So, um, yeah. so we changed the 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 junior ticket rate to under 18s because it had always been under 16s. And then um, a few people mentioned to us that you know it's pretty tough on 18-year-olds who, who who in most cases have not got a, a job yet, or if they have, it's pretty poorly paid. So for next season, we're going to have an 18 to 21-year-old category, um, which means that uh, the people in that age group are the same as senior citizens or students. So um, you know there, there are various things that we've done on, on, on the ticketing to try and keep the cost down for people. Uh, the, the other thing I think you probably all know is we're now doing uh, the 12-month instalment plan, yep. which, which means that... Um, well, obviously, it means that you could spread your payment over 12 months, which works out at, um, I think it starts at £35 a month. So it's not much more than a pound a day to have a season ticket at Palace, and you're, and you're starting to pay for it now, and you've got a whole year. So hopefully, you know, nearly everyone who wants to come to Palace will be able to afford to come to Palace, and that's, for me, that's a really important thing. Uh yeah, I mean, I, I do the twelve-month plan myself, and it's it's the difference between me saving up to try and renew, you know, in a few months' time, and just just basically signing a bit of paper now, which is what I did as soon as. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a great deal. I think it's a great yeah. deal. I mean, obviously, the people <laughs> are going to pay a lump sum right now in January um, for something, a product that doesn't even start start um, being supplied until August, are, are going to get going to get a discount, yeah. uh, which is only right. Um, but uh, but 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 I think the instalment the instalment plan is uh, I hope is going to be re- really helpful for for lots of people. Okay, Joe. Uh, this is from uh, a jockey, um, and he says, "What thing would you most want in your dream Palace Stadium?" Oh, a brewery would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> I think a, a little microbrewery on 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 the corner. So, um, yeah somewhere um i mean obviously we go around the country visiting other stadiums all the time away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery you in order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com the talk sport fan network is proudly teaming up with free for mental health awareness week this year as football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. I'm in Selhurst Park, you know, is falling to bits and, and the stands don't match each other. Um, 
you know, there were, there were so many improvements we'd like to see, you know, the, 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 the bars, the food, the, the toilets, the, the concourses, uh, everything. But, but on the other hand, on the other hand, you do have to be careful that you don't have a sort of soulless arena. Well, that, that, um, that's, that's the point, though, Steve, isn't it? I mean, you know, as fans, we go on other forums. I go on other forums, and we we get slaughtered for having sellers the way it is, and especially Brighton giving. They, I get it off them so much, but I go, but it's our it's our fault in the bits. It's you know? our fault in the bits. And honestly, I mean, I'm not even going to go to Brighton because I don't want to do that. But if you take a club like Coventry or, or Brighton, who've built a stadium that's not in Coventry or Brighton. You know, the, the, the idea of an out-of-town stadium, for me, is kind of, you know, I'd, I'd rather have our, our crappy stadium in, in, in the Crystal Palace area yeah, yeah. than I would something by Gatwick Airport that, that might have no pillars in the way. But, you know, the, 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 you know the, for example, Coventry in particular, you know, that stadium is, you know, it's great that, that you've got an unobstructed view from every seat, but it's all a bit... Soulless. He's not in Coventry. I don't think hardly anyone can walk from their home to, to you know, and be there in a reasonable amount of time. And the same with, with Brighton. You know, there's, I think there's one road in. Um, everyone has, has got to commute there, and it's not enough. I think the thing about Sellers Park is, I mean, although obviously a lot of people travel a long way to be there, it is in the community, and it, it is, it, you know, it is where we're from, yeah. and uh, it is a bit crap, but. Um, but I'd rather have that. It's our crap. Yeah, I'd rather have that. Oh, obviously, what, what you know, answering the question, what we would love is uh, a modern stadium with good facilities that that still had an atmosphere. You know, if you ask me, what's what's the thing you want most in a new stadium? I, w- I want to keep the atmosphere. I want it, I want it to be Palace and to and and not to change that. You know, Sellers Park on a on on a, a Tuesday night. Uh, when it's dark and cold, you know, you can have a fantastic atmosphere because, uh, you know, you really feel part of it. And and in in some of these modern stadiums, you you sacrifice. Uh, you know, you might get comfort, you might get a better view, um, you might get classier food and toilets that aren't wet. But 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 you lose the atmosphere. So so what I want most of all is is to keep the atmosphere, but but have have improved improved facilities for everybody. Yeah, that's great. I think we all, pretty much everyone shares that uh, desire, especially like you say, you bring up Coventry as a perfect example of a club that basically their new ground has been a like a millstone around their neck. It's kind of yeah, you know, and they don't even own it, which makes it no. even worse for them. No, it's terrible but, stuff. But, yeah, yeah. I, I think I imagine most Coventry fans would would rather that had never happened. Yeah, I think so. Well, well, nothing I, really I, wrong with Highfield Road was there. I mean, it was no. a bit like Salis Park. Exactly, they you know, like you say, to move it away from Coventry just seems insane with hindsight. And you know, fortunately, there's examples to look at, you know. Yeah, well, it's quite good for us because you can just get off the M6 and you're there, but uh, (laughs) that's true, yeah. Not not so good for the home fans. (laughs) Um, there's a few other little questions floating about. Um, I did want to give Nick a chance to ask another one. Nick, you there? Mm, Don't know if Nick's even there. There's no answer, is there? I'll do it, mate. You want me to do one? Have you nodded off? I think he has. He's, he's getting on a bit these days. So, right um, on the pitch, we're at a critical, uh, well, a critical time. Ollie rightly observed that we've been unlucky not to have won a lot more games of late. But how are you feeling about the performances as a whole this season? Yeah, I mean, 
you don't you don't like to say it, but to be honest, in football, luck is a massive thing, isn't it? You know, when we were having our our good run, um, you know, our, our amazingly good 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 run earlier on, you know, we we were, we were mainly winning by the odd goal, weren't we? And it just things you know things worked out well, and and sometimes you you can be playing just as well, and things go against you. Um, I don't I don't think things have Things have gone particularly badly recently. I, th- I think the team's still still playing well. Um, you just you just don't get luck in it, in every game. You, you can blame it on the fact that someone gets injured or suspended, or the um, you know the referee makes a mistake, all those little things. But uh, but on on you know although is it we haven't is it we've only won two in ten or something two in ten or two in twelve or something like that something like that you, you know you, you can use statistics in various ways we haven't lost that many either but but you know obviously things aren't, aren't going particularly well at the moment points wise but but I don't think we need to panic I think I think you know we still have a very good team um, it's just that we haven't quite as I said earlier we haven't quite turned some draws into wins but you know, you know yesterday's game against Bolton who obviously have a much more highly paid squad than us, you know. A lot of those are Premier League footballers. You know, we we were the better team. Yep. We we did have more possession. We, we did have more shots. And you know, just if we had a bit of luck in front of goal, I think we'd have won that game fairly easily. Yeah, I think I'd be comfortable. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you know, you obviously make your own luck. And and as I say, if we get a couple of players in who just strengthen the team a little bit. Um, you know, maybe that'll help, or, or, or maybe just just it'll start going our way again. But I don't, I don't think anyone is panicking and thinking, you know, just because we haven't won a lot of games recently, that that that, that, that suddenly the team isn't good enough. That's okay, great. Um, Nick uh, is there. He basically, well, I'm going to tell everyone he had his microphone on mute, so he was speaking, but no one could. Right. Not not embarrassing him or anything like that. But Nick, you do <laughs> have a question. Um, question number ten. Um, how hard is it? to do the business in the transfer window and I know um, um, Ian was saying last week you know when I want to do shopping I just go down the supermarket and get it you know I don't don't wait till February and, and go and get it then um, yeah no it's, it's, incredibly, it's incredibly hard because obviously you know if you're talking about the bringing players in every player that's good you know you, you've got to compete against other clubs to get them and um other clubs are prepared to lose more money than we are. You know, in, in this league, it's very difficult to compete against the likes of, um, let's say, Leicester or mm. Cardiff, for example. But, you know, th- those clubs are losing £20 million a season. Um, so we, we're not, you know, we're, it's not a level playing field first of all if it, uh, and uh, you know we have to punch above our weight financially because because we haven't got we we haven't got owners who are prepared to lose the crazy amounts of money that a lot of our competitors have so um so first of all you know it, it it's difficult to compete and, and and get the best players because we're not prepared to pay stupid wages that that, that jeopardize the future of the club or offer crazy contracts um, then of course you know it, it, it's hard to it, it's hard to find players who are who are as good or better than the ones we've already got. To be honest, you know I don't I don't I don't think we will probably get many players in from the from the lower leagues because I don't think that those players would would have 
the impact because they wouldn't be any better than, than, than what we've got because we've got some really good players anyway. Um, Premier League players tend to be on ridiculous wages and even if you get them on, on, on loan and only pay a part of their, their wages, it, it, it's difficult to, to justify the, the money. Um, so it's you know it's it, it, it hard. It's very hard to find um, somebody who's going to improve this team, but but isn't going to cost a fortune. Absolutely. Um, and, no, I mean, uh, yeah, as I was gonna say, it's clearly clearly the window doesn't seem to do anyone any favours. It does beg the question as to why it's there. I suppose it's yeah, a bit yeah, of excitement, stupid, but... isn't it? Yeah. it? It's you know it's it's very difficult um, and. There's a lot of jockeying for position and waiting till the end of the window because clubs aren't going to let so and so go unless they've got a replacement. Yeah. Um, so um, it, it, it's difficult, and as I say, you need to keep it all keep your targets un, under wraps, and probably have five or six targets. And, and if one or two of them come off, that's a result. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, well, we're going to let you go in a minute because you've given us loads and loads of your time, but we've got a couple of quick okay. booze-related questions. Uh, the first right. one, first one's from uh, Ian Lyons, who says, what's your favourite wine of the moment? Well, Fatherless makes its money selling Bordeaux wine, so it would always be a Bordeaux for me. Um, probably the best red wine in, in the world comes from Bordeaux. Um, so it's all thanks to Bordeaux that I'm able to. Uh, I was able to, to buy a quarter of Palace. So, coincidentally, um, I, I'm drinking a uh, Bordeaux myself right now. But uh, thank you, very good, well done, you. <laughs> is it Chateau Le Roudier or something like that. I don't know what that is. Oh, I don't anyway, know that one. But I'm sure it's good. Uh, from Lathwaite. <laughs> right. Anyway, anyway, um, that aside, um, yeah. obviously you used your you've experience to bring a beer festival to Cellars for the last couple of years. Uh, you got yeah, I've, I've always been a massive fan of of of, of real beer, good beer. Um, had my first pint in the the railway bell off uh, Gypsy Hill <laughs> a very long time ago, and um, you know, for me, part of going to Palace is is to be with your mates and to have a pint before the game. Um, yeah. So uh, it's always been a shame for me that the football grounds serve, you know, the the worst kind of beer in a plastic glass at an extortionate price um, so, so I've you know I've tried in, in my little way to, to, to improve the, the quality of, of the beer that, beer that, that we sell yeah. e even if we can't have a, a proper glass in all the bars because of licensing rules and, and it's also great just to support small brewers like like the Cronks who uh, who, who uh, you know are, are Palace fans and um, yeah. and, and they're, they're doing something creative in, in, in Croydon and uh, you know, it's supporting a local enterprise, which is really good. And then the idea of the beer festival is, you know, it's great at the end of the season to, you know, for everyone to get together and have a bit of a celebration. And uh, and we've got a facility that, uh, you know, is perfect for having a beer festival. All the concourses, plenty of toilets, and uh, and uh, you know, as you know, I'm sure you've been to the previous ones. You know, it's 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 a great it's a great afternoon out if you can remember it. Um, uh, and, and, th and this year it's going to be even better. I think we're going to have 150 different beers. Um, I think we had, we had just—I think we had just over 100 last year, and yeah. attracted I think just over 2,000 people. So this year, hoping to sort of have 50% more people, probably, and 50% more beer. No, um, some of these, 
it's the easiest way of getting my non-palace friends to sell us park it really is they, yeah. they, they, they love it obviously yeah. the, way the, fir- the first beer festival we had a, a, a chat out on the upper tier but i can barely remember it i'm sure yeah, the same. I, I have a vague a vague memory of that <laughs> I, I remember being dying to go to lou <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I was. Yeah. But yeah. Being accosted I mean, outside a toilet. Hmm. <laughs> quite like that, but Mark Ross was with me, so you never know. Um, but anyway, look, I, yeah, I mean, it is, I've really enjoyed both the beer festivals so far. I even left a, a three-day music festival to come to the to the second one. It was so oh, just devotion. Well done. Exactly. Yeah. But um, yeah. yeah, so really looking forward to it. It does seem to get like a, a quite a good. Well, to get that many beers and, and ciders and perries and whatever, there's obviously a lot of respect from within the industry for it. Already, yeah, no, we've we've got some good 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 contacts. There's a guy called Tom South who's uh, Tamari on the BBS. He's uh, he, he he runs a pub in um, in in Borough Market, and he he's been very helpful. And then obviously there's there's the Cronks guys, and uh, uh, you know the, the the club has a relationship with Coors, who own um, Sharps Brewery in Cornwall, and uh, I like the Sharps. Harvey's and Sharps, lovely. Yeah, yeah. So, so we, we we kind of put together a list and uh, of, well, of my favourite beers and a few other people's favourite beers. And uh, you know, I, th- I think in the last two beer festivals we've done really well in having some some beers that you, you'd never get to sample in in, in South London uh, yeah. otherwise because they're just not available around here. Yeah, uh, that, yeah, and certainly that. Well, I was struggling by the end of it. You just can't try everything. You really want to, but. You know, yeah, just, no, no, it's impossible to try it all, but yeah. uh, but it's good. It's good uh, trying to. <laughs> yeah, okay. Says anyway, that you have a beer festival and wine tasting, doesn't it? You're going to have a wine festival. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about a wine festival. Um, I'm not sure about that, but it's uh, wrong. It goes so wrong. It's not quite right, is it? A wine? Festival? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we, Steve, we, we'd be called the Nigels again, and you know, yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't need that, do we? Um, mm. Thank you so much, Steve. We're gonna we're gonna that's let you right. make if that's loads of your time. Um, really appreciated. I'm sure everyone who's listening is really appreciated. Appreciated. No, that's good. And if anyone, you know, if anyone has any 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 questions, I, I do this thing on the the BBS. I'm sorry I don't do it on the Homestead as well, but it takes enough enough time to do it on the BBS. So, yeah. so you know, you you can go on there and, and ask me a question, and I'll I'll just try and give you a straight answer. That's that's my aim in life. Thank you. So uh, you know, you know, we're all Palace fans. We want the best for Palace, and uh, you know, th- thanks to everyone for their support. It's been been fantastic. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Steve. We'll uh, right, see Steve. you again soon. Take care. Yeah. Bye. 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 Okay. Fantastic stuff from Steve Brown. I hope you all really enjoyed that as as much as we did. Um, it was it was great to hear. Obviously, <laughs> the show has gone on uh, a lot longer than we'd intended already. So, but we're we're still going to. Plow on right the way through. I hope you stick with us. Um, it won't be too much longer, though, but we've got plenty to talk about. Um, plenty of communication from yourselves as well. But obviously, the first base port of call, uh, and I'm going to rush through this part because I was the only one of the team there up at Stoke. If the guys have got any questions, they can ask. But um, I do want to make reference to it because there's some interesting uh, things that did happen up at uh, a very, very cold um, Britannia Stadium. I you forgot the name of it there. Um, <clears throat> Obviously, after extra time, the game finished 4-1 to Stoke. It was never a 4-1 game in, in the way it panned out. It just, you know, basically we, we, we picked a team up there which included a, a debut for Hiram Boateng. Um, it included a starting places for Wilbraham, Easter, Williams, uh, Matty Parsons and uh, Lewis Price. And, and really, you, you put that team out and then you saw that uh, Stoke had put out a full side. 
and um, you kind of feared the worst really on the way up there but what, what we actually got was um, which over the 90 minutes was a Palace performance that deserved a victory which was stunning we were, we were easily a match for them um, very early on well not very early on about midway through the first half I think it was Jermaine Easter missed a penalty uh, that was very a very costly moment for us because we were well on top at that stage and um, you know I mean not a lot went right for Jermaine Easter uh, during that game he put he, he did everything he could he worked really really hard uh, but he just looked way way short of quality and um, it's a real shame I don't clearly not working for him here at Palace I don't think and um you know, you got to ask him. Is you know, is, is there not someone else you could perhaps be given a chance in his place and maybe make more of an impact? Because you know, like I say, it's not happening for him. So that's the first first point I really wanted to talk about. Um, Hiram Boateng, guy we've seen quite a lot for the under twenty ones. Um, he'd been in the squad a couple of times this season, and I basically talked about it before. Gus Gus Sal got injured at the start of the season, um, and it gave a chance for Boateng to step up into the twenty ones at, at sixteen years old. Um, he just—he was absolutely out of this world. It, it says a lot when he went off, and we were weaker as a result of him going off after his debut. He, I mean, he got clattered a couple of times, just hobbling around, and you know he had to go off. But I mean, what a debut from from player! It's hard to explain what what type of midfielder he is if you haven't sort of seen him because he he can kind of do a little bit of everything. Although in an attacking sense, he's, he's you know he's not much involved. But to me. You know, he's he's got to be considered. You know, if he's fit, he's got to be considered for the squad again in the future. He he really has looks to be a very very big talent. And um, I say it's almost one that's come out of nowhere. Like I say, seen him a little bit at youth level. He's done all right, but but just just this season, just got that little chance. It goes to show you, it's so such fine lines. He just you know got that little opportunity in the twenty ones, kicked on, probably got a little bit of confidence from that, and and now looking. Uh, ben, you'd seen him a, a few times, didn't you? Yeah, definitely. Well, he's a very good player. We've seen that um, as well in the first leg. There, there was an, an, a few youngsters as well, and it's nice to see that that we can do that in in the FA Cup. Bring a few youngsters up. Obviously, Parsons is another player that that we've seen, and obviously he had he had a good game up at Stoke. There was that that quote from Ian Holloway after that. It sounded a bit dodgy. He hasn't seen a man so stiff. Uh, we'll <laughs> yeah, into that. Yeah. I, I, I yeah, like the second. The second part of it as well about Matty Parsons was he said, it, you know, Parsons was out on loan at Wickham when he joined, when, when Holloway came to the club. He, I think. Game. he said, oh, you know, he didn't get a game. I don't really understand that because he was excellent for me tonight. And, yeah, and exactly. Parsons is he's one of those, we were talking about O'Keefe a few weeks back and saying, you know, whenever he gets picked, he never let anyone down. Parsons is the same, absolutely the same. And he was taking the set pieces up at Stoke and he mm. put it in some fantastic corners. He really was. Um, I, I think Holloway probably saw him in that game and, and you know, obviously to give him a chance, he knows he's a good player. But I think seeing him play to that level against Stoke would have done Matty Parsons a lot of favours. I think, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see him pushing for a for a place ahead exactly. of. Exactly, and then on top of that, we have Winter and Taylor on the bench, so it's it's fantastic that we're blooding the youngsters in and we're getting them involved in the first team. So it's not too much of a step up when it comes to the point where we want to mm. play them regularly. I think it's fantastic that that's happening. Yeah, very happy to see uh, Winter involved on the bench. There, hopefully he'll get, he'll get on because you know he's one who promised an awful lot um, for a variety of things. Mainly not his fault for injury and what have you. He's struggled to get a look in, but very talented player. And, and Quay Taylor's been superb every time I've seen him at twenty ones. Nick, I know you wanted to uh, fly through the state review because of time. Um, James Scowcroft on the commentary was was singing the praises of Zaha so much, saying that he just made a Premiership defence look like fools. Mm-hmm. Um, 
obviously we can't we couldn't see the penalties from the radio. How many of them were penalties, Chris? <laughs> um, all of them, basically. If you're going to ask is that me. being biased or or no? Bit? I don't think so. I think the the, the key thing. Where well, yeah, I'm probably unbiased. Well, of course I'm biased. You know, I'm a Palace fan. But <clears throat> excuse me. I think the key one for me was the the one that didn't get given, where Wilf was given a yellow card. It resulted in his injury, and we went off at half time. So that's the kind of level of officiating that we were getting. Um, it, you know, it's hard to tell. You know, it's a big old stadium. I'm I'm up the back. You know, obviously you've been. You know, drinking on the way in and what have you so uh, you know I'm not probably not best you're probably better to rely on what the commentators said than you are my observations exactly but um, you know I, I felt I felt Wilf got a, a hard time from the Stoke players as you'd, as you'd expect and you know he's he's very much getting back to his his best I think I think he's certainly starting to play the best he's played under under Ian Holloway and the 45 minutes against Stoke was a was was evidence of that uh, they didn't really know how to cope other than to kick him down. And he was that good that the referee didn't even notice that uh, that he was fouled. But, um, yeah, again, that, I mean, that game could have been so different. Uh, to, to, you know, to come back and be thinking about a 4-1 defeat, was it seemed insane. Um, we also saw the first sign of what happened during the game yesterday as well, where uh, Gabidon was sort of, I think he was forced off injured, in fact, um, up at Stoke, around the sort of 70-minute mark. And, you know, as uh, Ian Holloway does, it's centre back's gonna go off, uh, stick on a striker. So I put Glenn Murray on, um, just to you know, go for the game, which ended up getting us getting an equaliser, so you know, credit there. But uh, Jednak slotted in at centre back. It it had an absolutely fantastic game, like in, in the centre of midfield. Drop back drop back to centre half and was just as good. And a few people I'd noticed when the when Jednak joined us said, you know, he'd make a good centre back and they're proving to be very correct because uh, he's done it twice now and he's just looks as good. It just looks amazing. It's the word I always use for him is imperious, and it, I think that word was invented for for Jed. And that is sensational. But there we go. Let's um let's leave that there. We did obviously we gave John Waters a hard time. I say we. I didn't really get involved in that, but John Waters was asked to give us a goal because of his two own goals. So he gave us two goals, but unfortunately in the right end. And obviously Ian Holloway stressed that he was slightly angry with the Palace support about that. You know, it's not the same John Waters to John Peel show, is it, Chris? Uh, probably not, Nick. No, but oh, um, no. I mean, that'd be a joke. That'd be <laughs> It'd a joke be nice to think so, wouldn't it? I expect there's some uh, people of a similar vintage to yourself rolling around laughing at home at that one. But um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, not me. Uh, not you, wasn't, though. Wasn't no, funny. Not the same John Waters that produced the film Hairspray, was it, Chris? Yes. <laughs> it was. Yeah, that's that's the guy. Yeah. But anyway, um, I hate you so much. I don't know why I get you on this show. <sighs> So we played Bolton yesterday, Nick. Can I, can I have a point? Just to really quickly wrap yeah. up that quite quite nicely. Um, we got a tweet in from Gary T one two three, good Twitter name. Yeah. Uh, says after the initial disappointment, the fact disappointment. Sorry, the fact that we don't have a game this Saturday is a good thing. The league is priority. So I think losing to Stoke in a way is a good thing because now we've got a week off and we can concentrate on the league. Mm, that's a fair point. I mean, I don't think any of us really wanted uh, a cup run after witnessing what the cup run uh, to the League Cup semi-finals did to us last season. I think we talked about it before the game, you know, on on our radio, and we we just we just didn't really appeal. Um, but obviously things changed when when people saw that we had have Man City at home um, in in the game after. So made a bit. I mean, a bit interesting. Would have been a bit of money for the club, but I mean, really, let's talk. You know, let's talk seriously. We want. We're not going to win the FA Cup, so let's. You know, let's let's get ourselves back in the right end of the table, and we tried to do that against Bolton Wanderers. Um, 
unfortunately ended in a 0-0. I think we were all there, so we should be able to talk quite a lot about this. Uh, as a very brief summary, there wasn't a huge amount of chances, but I felt we were even in the first half. Um, I thought but we were dominant in the second half, really. So let's talk about the elephant in the room, so to speak, and that's the return of Dougie Friedman. Um, as a general reception, it's been observed that it was you know, quite respectful. Uh, obviously, he was booed when he got off the coach, um, which was a shame. Respectful from where? From the main stand? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. I noticed there was a gentleman next to me who wasn't being too respectful. Um, no, I wasn't. No, okay, no. I'll <laughs> um, oh, come on. Let's, go on, Nick. Let's talk to you first. Yeah, no. It was really weird because I'm I'm in the family bit, Block J there, and we're kind of the first to see him come out. And I I didn't know what I was going to do before he came out, and mm. I kind of sort of applauded, but I kind of ducked my head down as if you know I hope he doesn't look at me. <laughs> I hope he doesn't see me clapping him, but I'll acknowledge that he scored the goal at Stockport, and and kind of that was the general feeling around us. And and fair play to the bloke, he he did wave and he and he did say some things after the game that you know spoke highly of the fans, which yeah. was something I think that we'd all we'd all thought you get. Why why haven't you mentioned us? You know, we put banners and everything up for you. You know, you haven't mentioned us once. The first thing that Holloway did when he came onto the pitch at Sellers was to say how great the Blackpool fans were. We yeah. never got any of that. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was observed at the time, and we've talked about it since. It, it just, it just felt weird. It, it almost, you kind of see the those sort of actions. You know, they're, they're of someone who almost knows that they've done wrong. For like, obviously, for Ian Holloway, he, he obviously made his decision, and he thought sort of long and hard about why that was, and he felt that he, you know, he was being honest and he was doing the right thing by it. I would say, sort of Dougie's failure to acknowledge the, the support until recently maybe had a lot to do with that. You know, he was making a decision that he wasn't entirely sure about. Maybe speculative. You know, he'll probably he'd probably rubbish that and say, you know, he knew exactly what he was doing. You know, it was a tough decision, but it's what I wanted to do for my ambition, all that sort of stuff. But I'd say his, his behaviour afterwards was because he's always been good about Palace fans everywhere he's gone, and you know, whenever he left the, the club as a player, he'd always talk well about the club. And for him to to, to not do so was very out of character. And you know, obviously. In the lead up to the game, he was also—I don't you don't know what's mind games and what's not really—but you know he was inferring a few different things that he didn't want to talk about the Palace game because he felt it might damage us going forward and all that sort of stuff. I mean, we just heard from Steve Brower again, and he's, he's just reiterated what Steve Parrish has said to us in the past that no one, um, no one expected Dougie to leave the football club, and it was him who wanted to go to Bolton. So, real shame that and. Um, I say I want to, want to basically. So your your reaction, Nick, was to sort of duck down and clap. Gerald's reaction was to um, shout profanities and boo. Um, ben, what do you do? I clapped. Um, I, I I thought about it before what I was going to do. Obviously, I think most Palace fans did. You know what what reaction can you give him? And uh, I took my gloves off and I and I gave him a clap. I wasn't. I said to myself, I wasn't going to boo. I wasn't going to sing his name. I was just going to you know applaud him because he he was fantastic for Palace and. Obviously, what he did was wrong, but but he he's still a Palace legend, I think. So I, yeah, I clapped him. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll be honest. I it kind of almost passed me by. I wasn't really, I could because I wanted to be relatively indifferent about it. Um, I just think I think the trouble what we're all talking about here it's a con- contrasting emotions, and you don't kind of really know what to do. In a, in a lot of ways, you know, I've got the utmost respect for Dougie Friedman as a as a you know for what he's done at Palace. Not just as a player, but the way he set us up as a manager. I think he was doing a really, really good job. And it's, it, I mean, I know people weren't 
particularly over enamoured about the, the tactics and what have you, and we had all sorts of discussions on here about that. But let's not forget, when he left us, we were at the right end of the table and we were scoring goals in every game. And you know, I think maybe Dougie had to compromise on some of his ideals to do that, and we were conceding more goals. In fact, our defensive record was better under Ian Holloway than it is what it was under Dougie. So. I think there was a degree of um, compromising there that he had to do to get us where we were. And I think maybe he was unhappy about that. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, Joe, you wanted to make a point there? Oh, just, it felt like he'd been like, invited to a funeral, of, like, but for someone that you didn't like. You had to go there and just be nice. I was like, no, hang on a minute. It, 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 I'll, I'll never leave anything I've done. See you later. You know, follow the money. He uh, didn't have to... Yeah, it, it, I, the thing is, what I accept, right, is is what Steve Parrish said, is that he is a professional coach, a professional manager, and he saw as much as what we all loved him and for what he's done. You know, he could turn into our Dow Gleish. That's what he could do. Um, well, if he'd have took us down, so he'd have kept us up, took us. You know, that, that was what we were facing last year. But he's just a he's a professional manager. And he sees Bolton as, as the, the, the natural progression up from us, which is, you know, looks like a bit of a faux pas from his point of view, but, but you know, from our point of view as well. But there you go. I, I suppose you do what you got to do. But for me, you know, he's an ex-player, um, like, you know, like Wrighty. Like, loads of people like Wrighty. I never liked Wrighty. You know, mm. it, it's just, it's what it is. I know you love him. I don't. That's, everyone has a different opinion. And that's yeah. the great thing about football, Nick, uh, Chris and and. Fellas, it splits you down the middle, and that's the yeah. thing. Yeah, I heard loads of boos and stuff, but loads of applause. Yeah, no, that's no, fair enough. Mate. Um, there there right. were well, there were certainly. I mean, the, the footage they actually had the footage on. Um, what did you say? Loads of boos. Anyway, but yeah, the footage on the football league show was um, was certainly interesting. I thought that it showed the, the moment he got off the coach, um, and that was certainly uh, more vehement than it was at the ground. But um, a few listener reactions. People there, Chris. Yeah, I know, I know, but they still boo. I've <laughs> uh, got some listener reactions from Ben. Yes, Herbie Heinley says he was in complete silence. Steve Brooker said polite applause. Um, London Calling says it was closure and I hope we can all move on. The future will prove if Dougie did the right thing. Uh, Tony Johnston says he didn't boo, he didn't applaud, he supported CPSC as always. Yep. And then quite an interesting one from Brad Cab. Uh, he says he, that he clapped and wouldn't a lot of us take him back tomorrow. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, no. <laughs> no, I've got back with X's before. It just doesn't work. <laughs> um, yeah, oh, I you know what? Honestly, I'd say I do. I do. Part of me does hope that one day events kind of come together that that an experienced Dougie Friedman as a manager returns to Palace and you know takes us on another level. Uh, part of me kind of would like that. But if you want, if you wanted me to say I would take Dougie Friedman over Ian Holloway, I would say no. I think it'd be a step backwards, mm. my personal point of view. I mean, anything, anything he would do is stop us conceding goals. But then I'd rather see us lose three-two or, you know, four-three. I'm quite happy with what we got. I think it's uh, a step in the right direction. Mm. I'd rather see Gus Poirier than Dougie back. He's left us. That's it. Severed. Tires severed. Completely gone. Hmm. You just stop speaking. Stun silence. Stun silence. Yeah, was, I mean, what a shocking opinion. I wasn't in the middle of texting anything. Lies and damned lies. Anyway. I was more gutted seeing Curtis Fleming back in a Bolton tracksuit than I was seeing Dougie in a, in a manager's tracksuit. A Bolton. 
It was because yeah, Curtis, you know, when you saw him with that game that he managed, he had the whole team behind him. He had a smile on his face, and he looked like he bled Palace through and through. But again, he went. They all went. Can I can I just say one thing on this on the, on Dougie and his setup? Is he set up a Premiership side to come down to Palace for a draw? Yeah, he has. Yeah, um, obviously they haven't. You, that's a perfect observation, and obviously it kind of kind of gave fuel to the fire of a lot what a lot of people were complaining about, saying that you know everyone was saying pre-game. I think we even said it last week. He's going to come down, keep it tight, and try and nick a one-nil. We all knew it. Um, and you'd think if you'd swap the two managers over, right? Okay, then we we would have we would have. You know we would have sat there at home and tried to nick a draw against Bolton. And you know Ian Holloway would have thrown on five subs with... <laughs> obviously, you can't yeah. put subs on, but you know my exaggeration. <laughs> but, you know, he'd have, he'd have thrown everything to win that game because he would have gone, you know what, I've got a strong squad here. I've got people on premiership wages with a huge amount of talent. We're going to go for this. Um, but Dougie's formation for a lot of that game was 5-4-1. Um, and, and, I mean, every now and then you'd see the sort of a similar shape to, to that which he left us in, in you know, with, with the wider players pushing forward. But not enough. They weren't, like, you. You as a, if I was a Bolton fan, I'd have been fuming because it's not like they're, a work, they're not a work in progress. I know they're a work in progress for Dougie because of what he wants them to be, you know, and the ideas that he has for his... But, I mean, he's... I disagree, I Chris. No, yeah, you go ahead. I, I completely disagree because you, you could say that um, when we were in a work in progress when Ian Holloway came in because we were playing sublime football. He even said it himself, you know, we, it's like watching Barcelona and you know, it's changing as as he's changing the team to how he wants it, us to play. And Doug is doing the same at Notlock, but it's, it's just, you know, it's just a shame they would lump the ball through to, to Davis. And, and how did Chris Eagle stay on the pitch in that first half, Chris? Unbelievable. Book for diving. And then he retaliated. Any other game, he'd have been he'd have been booked, and it would have been a second round, uh, second yellow, yellow to be a red. The red was shocking uh, first half. Yeah, you're right. I thought I thought the game was too big for him. I mean, I I could just kind of comment on two players of, of mm-hmm. Bolton before we go on and we wax lyrical about our own players. I thought Zach Knight would never. I don't see how he ever loses an header. I mean, Murray is good in the air. He didn't with a header yesterday. I mean, I've never seen that before. I haven't seen that in a in a couple of years. I mean, he is immense. And then you had, well, I called him fling to the floor because that Lee, he's oh. like a cow. You know the you know the Chinese the the, the Asian Oriental the floor they've got playing for him. He just I'm yeah, bit, fling to the floor. He just. I'm a bit worried that Joe's going right, to Jim I apologize. Davis. He just. <laughs> <laughs> he just kept, he just kept chucking himself on the floor. Oh, you know, I, 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 what, what was he up to? I don't know. If he can't do it in the championship. I'll tell you why. Because in the Premiership, it's second nature, right? It's second nature in the Premiership to show, to throw yourself on the floor. In the Premiership, the crowd don't let you get away with it, and he didn't get away with it. He got absolutely slaughtered. No, absolutely right, mate. Um, but I don't. I didn't even think he was the only one falling around the place. But it certainly seemed to. Um, well, he's certainly going to be struggling to keep his balance. But like you say, um, he's a game. But um, oh dear! But like I say, I don't want to focus on on Bolton. I think you know they're a, they're a good side, and they you know really they're, they're fa- I, you know like I say, if I was a Bolton fan, I'd be sick that, that they didn't try and win that football match. But there we go. Um, well, we was talking to Bolton fans on a train, and they said one, they didn't understand why Dougie went to them, and two, they aren't a bigger club than us. 
Well, not all of them feel that way, and a lot of them feel that, obviously... Well, look, I mean, you don't have to be a genius to sort of read between the lines of what everyone said and in, in why Dougie left. Dougie left because he's an ambitious person, because he wants things a certain way that he wasn't going to get with regards to training facilities and all that sort of stuff. He wanted to, you know, get, wants to get to the top as quickly as he can, and, and he wasn't... Obviously, he felt he didn't get that support at Palace, but, you know, whether we could have done different things... Or not, I don't know, but but I wouldn't have thought so because we again we've talked about it with Steve. You can't. This club has has spent money on things, stupid money on things before, and ended up in a bad situation. And that applies as much to you know to wages and players as it does to facilities and training grounds and what have you and all that. You know, at the end of the day, he you know he left because he had a better opportunity elsewhere. And anyone who who thinks differently is is kidding themselves because of the emotion, in my view. But I mean, and you know, and you'll get all this thing about oh, you know, there's more to it than that, or there's all this. You know, I've heard it all. I've heard it all, and you know, there's nothing more to it than that. It's 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 just unbelievable, really. I'm not gonna get. I'm gonna get myself angry. So let's talk about um, Wilfred Zaha's performance yesterday. What do you reckon, Ben? Um. Yeah, well, I thought it was very, very good. Um, there were times where you just thought he's absolutely unplayable. Like there was moments where I didn't even think he was human. Some of the things he was doing down down the wings, cutting inside, like you just can't get anywhere near him. But then there were times where his decision making was a bit poor, and and he needed to to make a pass a little bit earlier than he did, and, and things like that. But overall, I think it's a very good performance, and and yeah, we need to keep hold of him. Similar feelings, Joe. Oh, I mean, look, we, we were talking in the second half. I mean, their left back, he must have whiplash because he's just running around in circles. They put there was there's a fantastic photo uh, on Twitter today, and someone put yeah. how many players does it take to mark Wilf? And yeah, there Seba was Daly's four. Photo, four. It's a fantastic photo. Four players. I mean, that is that's unreal. But then he's he, he put in a couple of crosses. But then, like you say, like Ben just said, there was a couple of things he did towards the end of the game. You know, a, a little bit more. Maybe if he could, if he if if um, Moritz could have a chat with him, and because he he creates the space for himself, but maybe he needs to get his head up and just see what the best options are. Like the two thirty-yard shots in the eighty-seventh and ninety-first minute, and no need for those. You know, he had that option inside where someone had. I think. Um, Marrow had, had overlapped on the left-hand side, was standing in the area, unmarked, 15 yards from anyone, with possibly a shot on goal, and, and it wasn't, you know, Wilf decided to, to have a crack. But in saying that, he, he's, he's beaten the defender, he's cut inside, as he earned the right to have a shot. You know, it, it's, it's what you get. You know, it, it's what... And I'll go back to what I said before. He reminds me of Cristiano Ronaldo when he was when he first came to Man United. He had yeah. every single trip he didn't have. That he wasn't the full product, and maybe he needs to be in. Maybe he needs to be in a bigger surrounding where he's not the big fish in a small pond. And there are other players that will kick him and bollock him if he don't pass the ball, and a manager that will tear him to pieces if he don't pass the ball. That's, that's what you might need. It's an interesting theory. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to argue with it. I, I think there's a lot of sense in what you're saying about maybe it is time for him to move on. But obviously, as a Palace fan, I don't want to see it. I think it's too important to us. There's a, there's a couple of points, really, um, I want to bring up. And one that Jerry's made on Facebook, um, uh, made a fair few points. But on, on this particular subject, he's asked for our, um, our opinions on... Uh, well, he's, he's made the point that, um, <clears throat> that he's starting to worry about the sort of end product of Wilf in terms of actually creating and scoring goals. He's saying it might sound a bit harsh because he's unplayable at times in the second half. Um, but 
but basically, yeah, um, without he says without him, we would make the top six. But you know, is there a concern over the, you know, the creating and scoring goals? I, you know, I haven't looked at his assists um, to be honest with you, but again, and I think he's got about five five goals, maybe six goals. He hit the post yesterday, quite close to it. But I think, yeah, there, there's always going to be an argument that he's not quite delivering enough. But I think it's because he gets he gets in so many positions like that. I, I was thinking this yesterday. But tell me if tell me if I'm wrong, Nick, because um, I'm going to come to you after this for your opinion before we go to Ben for some listener opinions. But um, I, I always think that, that because. He he does these things so many. You know, everyone talks about can he, you know, can he deliver that final ball? You know, can he deliver that perfect pass? And a lot of his crosses get cut out. Um, is it simply that he gets in that position more than anyone else, Nick? He he he, he can put the ball in when he wants. I, I don't know. It's 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 almost too hard and globetrottery sometimes, isn't it? To hmm. to think of a better can't think of a better better analogy. Can't even say it. Um, <laughs> I, I still say it's worth the admission price just to see him. There was one point where he beat two defenders, and yes, he does kind of get the ball in, and he's playing playing a simpler ball a lot more than he used to. Yeah, um, he is. He's, yeah. He's, and so that's developing, and he's developing as a player. But what we need, right, we need him to do it all the time. We need to do it all the time. Be a winger, not a hero. Does anyone ever do that all the time? But he's a winger. I mean, and, 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 no, he, well... It, I don't, again, too much of a tactical argument about it, but obviously he's asked to drift in as well. But like, if you if you tell a player who is that type of player that will fits, which he does things that, that very few players do, and that he's his thing is he takes on a, takes on defenders, you know, plural, and he gets yeah. past them very regularly when you compare him to anyone else, right? If you take all that away from him, you say, you know, will. I just want you delivering cro- cross after cross after cross like James Milner. Um, so I just thought I'd throw it in to try and enrage Jill. But um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I want you to be an orthodox winger, winger Wilf. What's the point of having Wilf? You yeah, to be that, Jeremy. But he's not. He, oh, listen, don't don't uh, don't think for one minute I'm getting on his back. Please don't think like that because I agree with I agree with Nick. You would pay. He's the best player I've ever seen at Palace. For, for his position, he, he, you know, Vincent Lear was the, was fantastic. I've been going down there thirty years. I never seen anybody do the stuff that he does. I never seen anybody run as fast as he does. Terrorize people. Give us. He is worth the admission. But what I'm saying is, listen, this business is all about. It, the Palace is a business. We're fans, but you've got Steve Browning on there saying, "Well, listen, we need to get to the Premiership because out of the Premiership, we can build a stadium." Now, if we've got to sell players, then obviously being, we can't. What's the point in selling four players when we can sell one and we shouldn't have to sell a player for another two or three years if we want to stay in the championship? So, what does that tell us? Are we going to stay in the championship? We'd all pr- be pretty happy with that. But then you go, what? Well, there's no ambition, completely lacking ambition. But all we're I'm not saying is. Ambition. No, no, what I'm saying is, Nick, I'm not saying we're not lacking ambition. What I'm saying is, he need, just needs to to be told to get his head up a little bit because some of them times yesterday, he, he could have put people through. He could have put... They were in, I'm not just talking little sneaky balls. I'm talking about putting people through in bundles of space where he terrorised everyone, beating everyone, and, and he's got three or four players, as you see in the photo. Who's my, well, he's took them out of the game. So we must have players standing on their own. You could see it. You've got players down their own, and 
it just wasn't. I'm being harsh. I don't, I don't know, I know, but you it's are, a mate, business. Right? It's a business. I know, yeah, I know where you're. I know exactly where you're coming from. And, and sometimes you do get the feeling sometimes that he'll beat someone. He's not quite as satisfied with it. No, that's right. Okay, oh come on, I want to beat you again. <laughs> and I love, yeah, to, bring, love to and see bring your mates with you. That's what he's like. He can yeah, bring yeah. your mates with you. You know what I mean? He's like it's, the geezer. You get into a fight, and he goes, yeah. "Oh look, one, two, three, four of you. You ain't got enough. Go and get some more." No, you honest, yeah. It's amazing yeah, to see. Yesterday, I was humming and ahhing about whether to come with the snow, and it, it was pretty heavy up. Uh, getting my car out my road was a bit of a nightmare yesterday. And I thought to myself, this might be one of my last chances of seeing Will. I ain't going to miss it. And if, Will Fern, exactly. if I knew that Will weren't going to play, I wouldn't have gone. And I'm just wondering how many he puts on to the gate. I and mean, also, we're thinking about um, Will, a, a couple in the chat room. I think it's uh, Andy A saying Johnny Williams is a better player. Now, Johnny Williams came on, and he was a, he was a boy that changed the game. Yeah. It wasn't Wilf. It, it enabled Wilf to show... I know, I know we don't... But when Williams came on, when Moritz came on, then we were more of a complete team. But, yeah, but I'm, I'm start, I, I almost want to put a ban and I'm talking about Johnny Williams because... They, I was saying to you, Joe, weren't I, that they won't tackle they actually will not tackle him. You can give him the ball and not one Bolton player put a challenge in on him because, while he was running with it. And, you know, and, and he was running with it. It's just, it's just his, you know, he's on his right foot the whole time. So he's not, he's not, I mean, he can use his left, but he's just dribbling with it, running at pace. But it's not, I mean, it's nothing like what you see with Wilf, where he's using a trick to get people. But they just know, if they try and step and put a foot in on, in on him, he'll be past them. He's, a, he's an unbelievable player. He really, really is an unbelievable player. Um, but you know, I don't. I just hope that you know. I, I kind of agree that, that that he is almost a better player. Really, um, I'm losing people left, right, and centre. I've lost Nick. I've lost Jill, and Ben saying that he's cut out. So, kind of might be here on my own at the moment. Um, see what's happening there, and see if I can't sort of rescue that situation. Can you hear me now? Hello, Joe. We're still on air, yeah. Joe. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if we're at actually on air. Are we on air? <laughs> uh, let's hope so. Um, I something has gone wrong with the If somebody from the chat room could tell us if they can hear us anymore, no, it's gone to the loop feed. Fur has just said it's all right. It might no, it's all right. It might kick back in in a few seconds when they'll probably hear this bit in about. Oh, Premier fans just said yes. So I don't know if yes. that's yes. I can so hear. There you go. They're, they're going to hear this bit in like because we're on a small delay here. Basically, all it was was the internet from where we were broadcasting went for a few seconds, but it's back now. Apologies for that break. We're going to end soon anyway. I think that was a sign that we're going on way too long. Yeah, I blame the snow. Um, but yeah, well, obviously we're talking about how great Johnny Williams is. Everyone knows that. Um, we did. We get, we got a clean sheet, but no goals. Um, obviously, we missed three very very good chances at least. Um, Moritz and Murray in particular missing what I would almost class as open goals and um, Wolf hitting the post um, see so yeah, Alex Marrow had a shot very late on, we'll talk about him in a second um, I'll very very quickly mention Nimley, we talked about him at the top of the show so I won't go into a huge amount of detail but um, good touch, you know, moved the ball well didn't give an awful lot away in possession but, but struggled to have an impact um, anyone got any further opinions on Nimley or was it, I mean obviously we talked about it being too early to tell but I mean what did you, what did you reckon then uh, Jill? Yeah, I thought he'd done all right. I mean, he's just... Well, you, what, the, what you have to remember is you've you got to try not to try too hard, don't you? That's the thing. Otherwise, you end up just making the mistakes. But I thought he did what he did. You know, he did, he did very well. So, um, yeah, I, I would have preferred to have, in all honesty, seen um, 
our other players used and him introduced as such, you know. Um, but you know, I'm not the manager, am I? No, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, okay, uh, right. Let's 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 move that one. I can't read. How good was Jedi yesterday? By the way, how good was he against but, the Premiership midfield? He's yeah, he could play in any position, Jedi. Couldn't he? He could play. Yeah. I bet he's good in goal. You know what yeah, I mean? You could shove well, him anywhere. Guys, against Stoke, he he was exactly like. In fact, for the last six weeks, he's been doing this thing where he just kind of sort of strides out almost of his deep position. And he just he's got uh, it's block tackles. I've never seen so many block tackles in my life. He just wanders up, puts his foot on the ball, and goes straight through people. It's just they bloke tackles, Chris. Bloke tackles. tackles. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah. If all the all the players that everyone's been hinting, you know, with Balassi and Zaha and and Murray, and uh, I, I am utterly amazed that nobody has has made an inquiry about Jedinek because he just he's just a hero. He has just been supreme, and he's by far the best midfielder I've seen at our place in in any team. Well, yeah, so it's been a yeah. I, I can't think of too many better. I used to love uh, used to love Michael Hughes. Um, like and he, he kind of almost reminds me, not in the kind of style, but in kind of just the impact of just you just know he's, you know he's just right in there, right in people's faces, and just has a you know just has such a big impact on the game. Fantastic player, and, and in my view, Premier League quality. And like you say, Joe, I mean, at some point someone's going to realise and put in a huge bit. We, I'll we be, just need. I'll be stunned if Stoke. I'll be stunned, right? If Stoke, Tony Poulis, after seeing that, I like to call him Poulis. Um, after seeing that, would you know, in two games against him. Because, like, I mean, he was the best player on the pitch, home and away against Stoke. And, you know, if I was a, if I was a Premier League manager, I, why the hell I wouldn't have put a bid for him in? Stunning. I don't, I'm not inviting it. God, no. Um, and let's hope that, um, that he's leading our Premiership midfield next season. Very, very quickly, um, Maxi Palace on Homesdale, was, uh, he's put a lot of stuff in there about style of play, um, it's basically the overall feeling he had is, is one of disappointment. He's talked about putting, getting Nigel Adkins in. And I'll see if anyone wants Holloway out, you're an idiot. I just don't even care if you find that an offensive thing for me to say. You are an idiot. <laughs> um, but um, he's talking about not being confident for Charlton and Watford. Watford, uh, you know, they're on a hell of a hell of a run. But I think we'll I think we'll beat Charlton home. But anyway, um, he's talking about um, being happy about Ollie playing Boateng and Parsons up at Stoke. But he was disappointed that we dropped our own yesterday. But you know end of the day boating took a knock and you can kind of understand picking uh, well, no, well, to be honest I, I would have been tempted to keep Parsons in I'll agree with that part but he says um, I want to ask you one simple question did you enjoy the match the inference being that um, well no I don't I say it's not been an inference he wasn't at the game but he said did you enjoy that match um, I, I, will, I will say with it being a nil-nil I wouldn't have expected to and with, all, with everything around it I wouldn't have expected to but, but in all honesty it was a decent game of football um Guys, just generally? Yes. I've seen a lot worse nil-nils in my time. Yeah, yeah, it was a good nil-nil, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was a good nil-nil. Bit bit a little bit of luck and we would have we would have won that, two or three. Okay, fantastic. Look, we're, I'm going to let everyone go because we've all been here long enough. Um, obviously, loads of questions that came in, loads of contact that came in. Thank you for all of it. I'm so sorry we couldn't get to it all, but obviously it's been a long show. And if you tried to get to it all, you'd be here in about four hours' time. Um and some of us haven't done any work that we should have done. So um, thank you for listening. Thank you for contributing. And we'll happy be back birthday. Next... Yeah, happy birthday to us for two years. Uh, John Burgess will be back with the show next week. Um, we haven't decided what it's going to be yet because obviously it's a break. But do tune in.
and tune in for that. And I'll be back the week after. Bye now. Oh, hang on. I've said bye, but because Thank I'm you. producing, I haven't got the. Th- I have to press the button to thing. It's embarrassing, isn't it? Anything? Bye. It's a massacre. It's a massacre. Calm down. It's only a commercial. A commercial? What for? The St. Valentine's Day Massacre. It's a party night being held at Sellers Park. A party night? Yes, there's a bar, a disco, and live entertainment throughout the evening. All for £15. That sounds great. When is it? It's on Friday the 15th of February. Ah, right after Valentine's Day. I get it. Who's it for? Palace supporters, you fool. Partners, family, all are welcome. I'm going. Where can I buy tickets? You can buy them online from www.studycentercpfc.org.uk or you can send a cheque to Sellers Park, marked for the attention of the CPFC Study Centre. So, no massacre then? No. No massacre. At least not until we batter Middlesbrough the following day. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.